Welcome to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Today, I wanted to talk to you about uh, seven seven things your faithfulness produces, seven supernatural things your faithfulness produces. You know, one of the worst things you could ever do is look at what you do for God as um, natural. Let me break that down. One of the worst things you could ever do is look at your faithfulness or your obedience to the commands of scripture as just a natural action because it's anything but a natural action. In fact, I'll say it like this and I've said it before, but, uh, and I want you to put it in the comments like this. My obedience to God is a supernatural transaction. Such an important thing to know as you're obeying the word. My obedience to God is a supernatural transaction. And I want you to put that in the comments and I'll show you that, uh, from scripture before we dive into these seven things, but please write that in your notes, put that in the comments, um, and, and, and know it, get it in your spirit. Don't ever look again at your, let me say, for example, your Bible reading, your prayer time. Thank you, Janine. Um, your giving, your, your, your faithfulness to church, um, you're presenting the gospel to unbelievers, all those things. Don't ever look at these uh, actions of obedience as just natural actions. They're not, they're not. Your obedience to God is a supernatural transaction. You say, well, why is that the case? Because the God we serve is a covenant God. Hallelujah. He is a covenant God. My giving's not natural. My Bible reading is not natural. My prayer is not natural. My gospel message to uh, the unbeliever is not natural. My faithfulness to God's house is not natural. No, my holiness is not natural. They're all supernatural transactions. You say, well, what does that mean practically? What it means is that God, this is not, and I've said this too, this is not a book of promises. This is a book of covenants. I've taught this before, and it's so important that we see this. This is not a book of promises. A promise doesn't depend on you. A promise depends on the one who made it, right? A promise depends on the one who made it. So I've I've used this analogy many times. If I were to come up to you and tell you that I'm coming to your house next week on such and such a day to cut your grass, that's a promise, And it's only as good as my own integrity, right? That promise I just made you is only as good as my integrity. So if you know me to be a liar in the past, you may not believe that promise. You say, well, he said he's coming to cut the grass, but you know, everything he's ever told me, he's barely ever come through on anything. He talks a lot, but never delivers. And I'm sure you know people like that. So the promise is only as good as the person who has integrity. But notice something about the promise I just made. 
it doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what you do. Uh, My promise is based on what I'm going to do. I will be at your house next week. I will cut your grass. Now, you might be home. If you're home, great. I'm still going to cut your grass. You might be out at the store. If you're out at the store, great. I'm still going to cut your grass. You might be out of town on vacation. Doesn't matter. You could be out of town on vacation. I'm still going to cut your grass. It doesn't depend on what you do because it's a promise. But that's not what God's word is. God's word is a covenant. That means there are two parts to what takes place. There's our part and then there's God's part. And God does what he does based upon our obedience to his instructions. It was this way even in the Old Testament. Same in the Old Testament. And let me read it to you. Deuteronomy chapter 28. He sets this before the children of Israel so that they understand this, so that they have this uh, concept of covenant. And this is what he says to them. And I'm in verse one. This is uh, Deuteronomy 28, beginning in verse one. And if, notice there, a promise doesn't have an if. A promise is just a statement of fact. I will do this. I promise you, I'll do this. But a covenant is an if-then clause. A covenant is an if-then clause. Okay, so let's look at it. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. You see that? If you faithfully obey, then the Lord God will set you high above the nations of the earth. And the, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when you come in, blessed when you go out. And it goes on for the next 14 verses talking about the blessings that will come if you obey the voice of of the Lord your God. That is because covenants are an if-then clause. If you'll do this, then God will do this, right? But God's not required to do this unless you do this, right? Even salvation, even salvation. The gospel may come to you, but the Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You can't be saved. You cannot be saved. That's a covenant. You cannot be saved unless first the gospel comes to you and produces faith in your heart, but that's not enough, is it? No, you've got to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You've got to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's your part. But God's part is he'll save you. He'll regenerate you. He'll turn you into a new person. Now that's not works. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith, right? We're saved by grace through faith. If it was a work, you could boast about it. That's what the Bible teaches. We're not saved, you're not saved by works lest any man should boast. I can't brag about the fact that the gospel, which I had nothing to do with coming to me, 
I had not, I'm a, I was a sinner. I had nothing to do. I had nothing to do with, with the gospel message coming to me. It came to me, but when it came to me, I heard it. I had to, I had, you know, I had to hear it. It was being preached to me. But then you go further than that. The gospel produces faith in your heart. Did I have anything to do with faith being produced in my heart? No, I didn't. No, I did not. Because when the gospel is preached, that's why uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So when the gospel comes to me, when I hear it, it automatically produces faith in my heart. Faith to be saved. But that's not enough, is it? I have to confess with my mouth. But remember this, everyone who's in the kingdom, every single person had to confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and had to believe in their heart God raised him from the dead. So none of us can boast about that. It's not a work. It's not our good actions that got us saved. It's not our right choices that got us saved. No, it was the faith God gave us through the gospel and then the ability to confess and and believe that God generated in our hearts through that faith. Amen. So we can't boast about it. It's an if then. Bethany says in the comments, they're called conditional statements in mathematics because there are conditions that need to be met. It's the same in the kingdom covenant. There are conditions that need to be met. There are conditions that need to be met. And uh, by our faith, and as after we're saved, by our faith, we meet those conditions through what? Obedience. Hallelujah. So I want you to put this in the comments right now. Obedience meets God's conditions. Obedience meets God's conditions. Hallelujah. And when those conditions are met, see, this is why the uh, hyper grace message is so extremely dangerous and heretical because it takes God's whole system and trashes it. It trashes God's system. And remember, it's not your system to trash. God is the one who established the covenant and he's the one that established conditions. And if you hear someone preaching this hyper grace message that your actions don't matter. It's not about what you do. It's about what he did. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's not old Testament teaching. That's not works based teaching. That's a lie. That's a lie. Uh, Because you'll hear them say that. Well, it sounds like works to me, brother. No, it's not works. It's meeting the conditions of God's covenant. That's called obedience. And God requires obedience. I'll show you that in the New Testament. I'll show you Jesus teaching that in just a minute. It's not an Old, it's not an old Testament uh, system. Sounds like you're still living under works, brother. You hear that all the time from these hyper-grace people. Sounds like you're still living under works. It's not works. It's called obedience to the covenant. That's why, as Brother Glenn was pointing out, faith requires action because James writes in his letter, faith without works is dead being alone. Do you know, uh, there was uh, early on when people were recognizing the canon of scripture, uh, it took people some time to fully understand the, the majesty of God's word. And they, they, had, they had a hard time r- recognizing uh, what James was saying by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. If you look back to the history of canon, Uh, and recognition of canon. People looked at that and said, well, I thought the Bible said through the apostle Paul 
uh, that we're not saved by works, lest any man should boast, but we're saved by grace through faith. And so I thought it's not by works. But then James says, faith without works is dead. And if you, you show me your faith, I'll show you my faith by my works. So they had a hard time reconciling the two. But see, James <clears throat> is not talking about, uh, first of all, he's not talking to sinners. And second of all, he's not talking about the conditions to be saved. He's saying once you are saved and you have faith, which we know comes by hearing the word of God, that that faith means nothing unless it's put into action. And those actions of obedience are the proof that you have faith in your heart, right? And that's who we are as Christians. My actions of obedience are proof that I have faith in my heart. Faith without works is a dead faith. So what is living faith? Living faith is active faith. Hallelujah. Living faith is active faith. It's exactly right. And that's what James, the brother of Jesus, was teaching in that, le in that letter. And so today, and this is an exciting thing here, I want to take you through seven things. Because I don't want you, I don't want you to look at what you're doing for the Lord and say, well, this is just a Christian discipline. No, it's not just Christian discipline. It's not just Christian discipline. It is a supernatural transaction that provokes God to do his part of the covenant. Hallelujah. He's not required to do his part unless we do our part. Here's seven things God will do when we do our part. Let me start with Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. And this is not for everybody. This is for those in the covenant, right? It's for those in the covenant. Romans chapter eight and verse 28. Here's the first thing your faithfulness produces. The Bible says, and we know that for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, all things work together for good. So that's number one. If you're faithful to the covenant, if you, if you love God, and we're going to talk in a minute, a minute about what that means. For those that love God and are called according to his purpose, all things work together for good. All the, even if the devil tries to attack you, God will turn it around, make it work for your good. Hallelujah. Makes all things. Even when the enemy tries to come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him, make all things work together for your good. Glory to God. Glory to God. He makes all things work together for your good. When you're faithful. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, notice the phrasing there. It says, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And, and I want to define that because anyone can say they love God, right? Anybody can say that they love God. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Oh, yes, brother. I love God. Oh, brother. Let me tell you, I'm sold out for Jesus. You know, I'm sold out for Jesus. You know, oh, I love God. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. But what we need to find out is that when you truly love God and you're called according to his purpose, love, once again, produces faith that is an action. Amen. We having uh, connection issues or what? Channels off? Everybody still there? 
What's it saying in the chat? We there, we still there? Put it in the comments if you're still if you're still seeing me teach. So I don't want you, I don't want you to miss. Okay, just making sure you're there. Get this now. Love, if you love God, if you love God. Okay, so what does that mean? What does that mean? If I love God, faith produces what? Actions. Actions that prove the faith. Okay, so let's go to John 14 and we'll fully uh, define this now. What your love means. Love is not just saying, well, I love the Lord, brother. I love the Lord. Okay, well, what does it mean then? Jesus defines it for us so that we never have to wonder again, what does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love God? And I'm going to give you number two with this as well. Number one, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Look at this. John 14 and verse 21. This is number two. And it's going to help us define number one. John 14, 21. Listen. Jesus said, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This is one of the deepest verses of scripture in the New Testament, especially in the gospels. And I want to break it down, but notice he defines love. He said, the only ones who love me are the ones who obey my commandments. That's it. That is it. So if you go back to Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for who? Those who love God. Who are those? Those who obey his commandments and are called according to his purpose. So so watch this now. Not everybody is in position for all things to work together for good. Only those who love God and prove it by obeying his word. That's why I said obeying the word is not a natural action. It's a supernatural transaction. You know, all, by the way, all holiness, when you hear the word holiness, all holiness is, I'm gonna give you the simplest definition of holiness, obedience to the word. That's it. That is the simplest definition of holiness, obedience to the word. That's all it is. And that's what Jesus is talking about in John 14, 21. Those who have my commandments and obey them, holiness. They're the ones who love me. Now, now notice He starts by saying, they're the ones who love me. And then look what he says. And he who loves me. So there's already a stipulation, right? Because we've defined love as obedience. And he who, so you could say it, you could even say it this way. And he who obeys me, he who obeys me will be loved by my father. This is a verse of scripture that shows us and proves that God doesn't love everyone the same. He loved the world so much that he did one thing, sent Jesus. But that was his action of love for the world. But after that, it's it's not an equal distribution of wealth. It's not an equal distribution of love. God's not a socialist. Notice this. This verse shows us clearly God doesn't show his love to everyone the same doesn't show his favor to everyone the same. Neither does Jesus. Notice, because we can interchange these two, 
Because love, according to Jesus, love is just obedience to his word. So those who obey me will be loved by my father and I will love him, Jesus says. Not only will the father love him, I'll love him. And I will manifest myself to him. Woo! There's number two. So number two, the second thing your faithfulness produces is that you are qualified for the manifestations of Jesus Christ. You are qualified for the manifestations of Jesus Christ. He now has the ability, because of your obedience, to manifest his power in your life. Obedience brings the manifestation of Christ's power in your life. Disobedience cuts off the manifestations of Christ's power in your life. It's not for everybody. According to Jesus, it's for those that obey his word. See that? All things don't work together for good for everybody, but for those that love God. That means obey God and are called according to his purpose. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Obedience to the word brings the manifestations of Christ into your life. So don't ever look again and say, well, you know, I'm faithful to the word. You know, I'm faithful to the word. That's right. And so Glenn, Glenn points out in the comments, but if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And there's the key. You've got to walk in the spirit or walk by the spirit. But you know what that takes? That takes supernatural self-control. Supernatural self-control. That's why Paul said on a daily basis, I put my body under so that after having, making it do what it should, whoo, so that means there's something you should do and there's things you shouldn't do. He said, I got to make my body do what it should so that after having preached to others, I will not be disqualified. See, so what does that take? Supernatural self-control. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost who empowers us to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. So Brother Glenn, Brother Glenn is uh, quoting to us from uh, Galatians chapter 5. And in Galatians chapter 5, uh, it lists the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit. But then notice this, this is where we get the passage that tells us that the flesh is constantly at war with the Spirit, Galatians 5, 17. The flesh, that means that the flesh is working against your ability to see these blessings. So the flesh must be subdued, the flesh must be controlled, and the Spirit of God that lives within you has to be given priority to control by the leading of the Spirit your actions. And then when you have those kind of actions, what do they produce? Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, self-control. And the Bible says against these, there is no law. There's no law against love. There's no law against joy, no law against peace, right? And so the power of the Holy Ghost in you empowers you to obey the word of God and control your flesh. No question. That's why I call it supernatural. None of the fruit of the spirit are natural, by the way. None of them are. That's why you need the spirit to empower you to do those things. Anybody can love people that love them. But what about those that spitefully use you, the Bible says? Love your enemies. Bless those that curse. See that? It takes the spirit in you to be able to do that. It takes the spirit in you 
to be able to do that. Anybody can have peace when it's a peaceful time. But what about when all hell's breaking loose around you? And it looks like the economy's crashing and it looks like the government's doing wicked things. And it looks like there's, you know, you're unsure about what tomorrow holds. Then you've got a peace that passes human understanding. That's spiritual because anybody can have peace when it's peaceful, but can you have peace in the midst of chaos? You need the Holy ghost for that. Ha ha ha. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so number two, it produces within you uh, what the Bible says is the manifestations of Jesus Christ. That's number two. Let's look at number three. Number three, I love this one. We quoted this last night. Second Chronicles 16, nine. What's the third blessing of your faithfulness. What does your faithfulness produce? Well, the Bible says when guys, when God's eyes are searching to and fro across the earth and he finds people whose hearts are loyal to him, how would God know, ever know if your heart was loyal to him? What there has to be, what is their loyalty to his word? All that can be known about God, everything, hear this very clearly. Anything and everything that can be known about God that we can know about him is only found in his written word. That's it. That's it. Everything and anything that we can know about God is found in his word. So how would we be loyal to God? By being loyal to his word. What he's told us to do. And when he finds loyal hearts, you know what the Bible says? He comes and shows himself strong and mighty on their behalf. God begins to fight mightily on your behalf. When God finds loyalty in the earth, when he finds that uh, people that are living faithful to his covenant, faithful to his word, he's going to come and fight strong and mighty on your behalf. We saw that in the Old Testament. We saw that in the New Testament. God took out whole armies for his people with one angel. God will go out there, praise, would provoke his power and bring confusion to their camp and they'd destroy each other. What's going on? God is showing himself strong and mighty on their behalf. He'll do the same for you. He'll do the same for you. God fights mightily on your behalf. When you do what? When you are loyal to him and he sees that. God's always inspecting the earth, inspecting his people, knows all things. And when he finds faithful people, boom, it unlocks his strong and mighty interaction with his people. And if God's for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah. Number four, number four, go to Proverbs chapter 16. I love this one. Maybe you've never seen this before. This is going to encourage you. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number seven. If you've never seen this man, mark it up in your Bible, highlight it, underline it, write it in your notes. Here's another blessing your faithfulness to God produces. Proverbs 16, seven, the Bible says, and when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Glory to God. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So even your enemies have to be at peace with you when your ways, your actions are pleasing unto God. 
Even your enemies have to call for a peace treaty. Glory to God. Even your enemies. Do you know that um, I was speaking about Dr. Paul Youngie Cho earlier? I'll say this. There was someone very close to Dr. Cho. This was recent, by the way. There was someone very close to him that did something that was very illegal and punishable by jail time. And um, it was a financial matter. And Dr. Cho had even invested in it, not knowing the uh, illegal nature of what was going on. And um, it, it was discovered, it was discovered that Dr. Cho was involved with, uh, with this, this investment into this illegal thing. And it went to court, went to trial. And when it went to trial, the man who did the illegal things was sentenced and sent to jail. Now, because of his involvement, even though it was unknowingly that he was involved, it could have cost Dr. Cho jail time. But when he stood before the judge, the judge looked at him and said, Dr. Cho, no, you've done so much for Korea. What you've done through the church and what you've done for our nation is, is so much. And, and do you know, completely wiped out the charges against Dr. Cho when he could have, even though unknowingly involved, could have gone to jail, could have faced penalties. The judge said, no, no, Dr. Cho, you've done so much. You've done so much. We're just wiping the slate clean. Thank you, Jesus. Because when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies have to be at peace with him. I've seen the opposite happen. I've seen the judge throw the book at preachers before. But you know, the Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies have to be at peace with him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Wipe the slate clean. I'm telling you, get ready for even people that were against you previously to make peace, to stop their harassment. Amen. I'm talking about God does this supernaturally, according to scripture. He does it. What are you required to do? My ways have to please the Lord. When my ways please the Lord, then God makes my enemies be at peace with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me give you number five. Number five, Psalm 1 and verse 3. Psalm 1, and I'm going to give you a couple from this passage. Psalm 1 and verse 3. Janine said, it's already happening. Thank you, Jesus. He is good, Glenn. Praise the Lord. Psalm 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. Of course, you know what the uh, stipulations are here. Blessed is the man who does what? Walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Doesn't stand in the way of sinners. Doesn't join in with scoffers. Delights himself in the law of the Lord. And meditates on the law day and night. Okay, so there's the obedience to the word. That's the obedience there. What's the blessing? Verse 3. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that bears fruit in his season. Do you know the New Living Translation says that bears fruit in every season? That bears fruit in every season. So number five, that no matter what it looks like around you, no matter what it looks like in our nation, no matter what it looks like in our economy, get ready to bear fruit in every season. Glory to God. 
I wanted to just take a quick look at this. Yeah, and it's season. So watch this now. And I like this because I was looking at the Hebrew through the New, New English translation, the, the, the uh, translator's notes. It's interesting. And that's uh, the way that the ESV renders it as well. Bears fruit in its season. In its season. So let me show you something powerful. What does Galatians 6 tell us? That we're not to grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, we will reap if we faint not. So let me ask you a question. What takes precedence? Meaning, what if you get to your season of fruit production from your faithfulness, but then you look around and it's like, man, it's not a time to produce right now. It's not a time. It's not harvest time in America. It's not harvest time in Canada. This, it's, it's a rough, we may have to just delay this a little bit. It's a rough time in the economy. It's a rough time in the government. It's a rough time in the culture. It's not really reaping season. Not according to God. His season takes precedent over the world's seasons. So when your due season has come through your faithfulness, when your due season has come, nothing can override your reaping season. Thank you, Lord. Put it in the comments. Nothing can override my reaping season. Nothing. Nothing. Not rising interest rates, not a dip in the stock market, not government issues, not cultural uh, unrest. Nothing can stop your reaping season. No. That's right. Bethany said, my harvest isn't bound by natural growing seasons. No. Your due season is produced by your faithfulness and nothing can override your reaping season. Nothing. I don't care what's going on around us. I don't care how good or bad it looks. It has nothing to do. It has nothing to do. Can I tell you, our accountant was blown away when we filed our taxes in 2021 for the ministry. Blown away. She called us back and said, I don't think your numbers are right. I think the numbers are off. I said, no, we triple checked these numbers. Of course, my wife said it. She was talking. No, no, no. We've triple, we've triple checked these. She said, I don't know. It's 2020, you know, pandemic, lockdown, all this nonsense. No, I don't think your numbers are right. Look at, look again, Adam, because what you're saying, she said, are you telling me, are you telling me that you doubled in 2020? Are you telling me that you doubled in 2020? It's exactly what we're telling you. It's exactly, that's, that's my testimony through 2020. Coming in 2021, they had this taste and see the Lord is good. Are you telling me that you doubled in 2020 when everything was shut down, everything was locked down? It's exactly what I'm telling you, that we doubled. We more than doubled. Really? Are you sure the numbers are right? Oh, the numbers are right. And even our accountant had to be blown away Say, how is that, how is that possible? I'll tell you how it's possible because our reaping season cannot be overridden by what's going on in the natural world. Our reaping season cannot be overridden by what's going on in the natural world. It's not how it works. My due season, your due season is based upon your faithfulness. It's based upon the fact that you, uh, don't, do what the world does, but do what the word says. Hallelujah. 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 And so what's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. You'll bear fruit in your season. You'll bear fruit in your season. You'll bear fruit in your season. 
Look at number six, the next thing in Psalm 1-3, and your leaf will not wither. That's number six, same verse, Psalm 1-3. Your leaf will never wither. You know what that means? You are not called to diminish. You don't get weaker. You don't begin to wither. No, you don't go backwards. Not for the righteous, not for the faithful. We don't diminish. Ever forward, never back. Ever forward, never back. Ever forward, never back. Our leaves will never wither. We will never diminish. We will never go backwards. We'll never become smaller. No, we grow. We become larger. We go from faith to faith, victory to victory, favor to favor. You know, never stops. It never stops. The path of the just is a shining light that shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. Hallelujah. Brighter and brighter. Your path is getting brighter. When we hit February, your path will be brighter than January. When we hit June, you start the second half of the year, your second half of 2023, uh, excuse me, July, will be even greater than your first half of the year. Hallelujah. Whoo. Ever forward, never back. We don't diminish. We don't go backwards. We don't get smaller. We only increase in Jesus' name. We only increase in Jesus' name. That's a blessing of your faithfulness as you're a righteous man, a righteous woman. That's a blessing because of your faithfulness. You don't uh, walk in the counsel of the wicked. You don't stand in the way of sinners. You don't sit in the seat of scoffers. You do delight yourself in the law of the Lord. You are meditating on it day and night. So guess what? Your leaves will not wither. Your leaves will not wither. And finally, number seven, uh, the last part of that. And and in all that he does, he prospers. Thank you, G. What's that based on? What's that based on? My obedience to the word, my faithfulness, my, my diligence in the kingdom. And in all that he does, he prospers. You say, well, brother, I'm a Christian and I haven't seen, you know, there's people that make excuses. Well, I've not seen that. Well, are you part of faithfulness to the word is sowing, tithing, blessing others as the Bible said to, that's part of it. You can't leave that part out and say, well, I'm a Christian. I don't know why I'm not financially blessed because it's a covenant. Financial blessing is not a promise. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. You know, I was talking to somebody recently, friend of mine, uh, and really an acquaintance. We've, we've only met in person one time, but we got, uh, we, 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 we got in touch and, uh, he was doing some studying and he didn't come up in the same background that I came up in. And he doesn't, he's not in the same circles. He doesn't have the same uh, belief systems on a lot of stuff. And he was just talking to me. He said, I don't, I don't get this whole prosperity thing. I don't understand how preachers are telling people to expect to prosper when they give to God. And they start throwing out all these blanket promises. I said, it's not a promise. I said, God, I said God's not promising. It's not a promise. He said, what are you talking about? The Bible's full of promises. I said, no, it's covenants. It's covenants. He said, what are you talking? I said, no, no, you can't just do anything for the Lord. You can't. And and I talked about what we talked about previously. You can't pull a $100 offering out of a $5,000 purse. God's looking for faith and obedience to his word. And so I said, no, it's not. It's not a promise. Financial blessing is not a promise. And we began to talk about it and we were discussing it. And by the end, he said, you know, I I wish more preachers would explain it the way you're explaining it to me. I said, well, so do I. But just because there's been abuses in the body of Christ, and there have been abuses, plenty of them. 
But just because there's been abuses doesn't mean that the real message is not true. Doesn't mean that the real uh, uh, covenant of scripture is not in existence. No, God's interested in blessing his children. It's impossible to read uh, the words of Jesus, the words of the apostles, and not understand God's interested in blessing his children financially. Jesus said in Matthew 7, you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. But how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those that ask him? Notice he wasn't talking about spiritual gifts. Jesus was referencing natural things. He said, which of you, if your children asks you for a loaf of bread, are you going to give him a stone? Which of you, if your child asks you for a fish, are you going to give him a serpent? No. He's talking about natural things. He's referencing natural. And then he says, well, then how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those that ask him? Says the same in Matthew chapter six, the, the chapter right before it. Don't worry about what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Where are we going to live? That's what unbelievers worry about. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. There's another one. There's another verse that's talking about your faithfulness to the word. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And then what happens? All these other things are added. You'll prosper in all you do. Let me finish with uh, Job 36, 11. Go there with me. This is a powerful passage. Most people never think to go to Job when they're talking about the blessing of the Lord. But notice God's words here through Elihu. The Bible says, if they listen, if they listen, if they listen and serve him, that is God, if they listen and serve him, they complete their days in prosperity and their years in pleasantness. What's the prerequisite? If they just listen and serve him, that's holiness. Just listen and serve him. They will complete their days in prosperity and their years in pleasantness. These things are produced by what? Your faithfulness, your diligence, your holiness, your loyalty to the word and to the kingdom. It's an if-then clause. If you'll obey, then God will bless you. If you'll obey, all things will work together for your good. If you'll obey, all these things will be added unto you. If you'll obey, he'll make your enemies be at peace with you. If you'll obey, it's based on your faithfulness, your diligence. Your, so never again look at your uh, obedience to the word, doing these things as a natural action of discipline. No, these are supernatural transactions. Get ready. God's getting ready to do some big, 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 big things. Some big things. And of course, one of the things that we're talking about that is not a natural action of discipline, but a supernatural transaction is prayer. And again, before I pray for you, let me make mention of the fact that we're launching these miracle word prayer teams, miracle word prayer teams. We want you to join us. Those of you that maybe you joined late, you didn't hear the announcement at the beginning. We are launching miracle word prayer teams, one for men and one for ladies, the women's prayer team and the men's prayer team. If you want to be a part of these online prayer groups, and we're going to be praying for Miracle Word Church, we're going to be praying uh, moving forward that God will impact this nation with revival, go to miracleword.com forward slash prayer team. And I want you to join us. I want you to stand with us. It's going to be every week, once a week, we're going to come together and we're going to pray on a live Zoom call all together. 
And we're going to join our faith, the prayer of agreement, and believe God for change in this nation and in your nation. If you're not from the United States, maybe you're in Canada, maybe you're in Europe, believing God for revival. I want you to be a part. And so I want you to join me, miracleword.com forward slash prayer team. Sign up today. Next week it begins. Next week we begin. And uh, the men will be meeting once a week. The women will be meeting once a week. And when you sign up, we will be able, that's it, Nancy. When, we, when, we, when you sign up, we'll be able to send you the link to the Zoom call so that you can join us. And if you don't have a Zoom account, start a free Zoom account. What, what is it? Zoom.us or something like that? Is it Zoom.us. Zoom.us. Start a free Zoom account. Doesn't cost you anything. And we'll send you the link via text message where you can join us and be a part of the Miracle Word prayer teams. And we want to see you there. I'll be with the men. I've asked uh, Brother Glenn Karam to help me lead the men. And there'll be a, uh, I've got somebody that's going to help me lead the ladies as well. I want you there. Oh, you don't even need an account, Glenn's saying. You don't even need an account. You just need the link because it's based on, it's, it's just in your web browser. Yes, miracleword.com forward slash prayer team, all one word, no spaces, Vivian. Prayer team. So you don't even, I didn't know that. You don't even need an account. You just need the link. It'll open up in your web browser. So we'll have the account ready to go. We'll be ready to host you, but we're going to pray. And we're going to pray every week and God's going to move. We're going to see blessing after blessing. We're going to see favor after favor. We're going to see miracle after miracle. Things are changing for the better. Hallelujah. And so please take the time today. This week, we're giving people time to sign up and be a part of it. And then starting next week, and men, we're going to be meeting Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Ladies, we'll have a time for you soon. I'm hoping it can be the exact same day and time for the ladies as well, so there's minimal confusion. But we want to see you there. Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the faithfulness of the Victory Tribe. I thank you, Lord, for connecting all of us together. You did this. You brought us together and you're raising up an army of people that will not compromise their faith, that will not bow their knee to this world system, that stand for your word, that stand for the truth. And we will not move backwards, but we're moving ahead. Now, Lord, as we're completing this third week of fasting and prayer, honor our prayers, honor our faith and open the doors where there was no way, make a way. We thank you that you're doing the impossible. And Lord, I thank you that as you do the impossible, you'll get all the praise and glory and honor. We know and fully understand that you're the only one who can make these things happen. Lord, we do not depend on our natural ability, talent, or wisdom. It is nothing compared to your ability, your uh, wisdom, your uh sufficiency in all things. And so, Lord, we don't look to men to help us. We look unto you, only unto you. And that's why you get all the glory and the praise and the honor. We take none of it. We take no credit. It's not about what we can do in our natural strength. It's about what you do by your supernatural power as we trust and believe you in faith. And so, Lord, we expect supernatural things to break forth quickly. We thank you that miracles are coming to pass. The things we've been praying for, turn every prayer request into a praise report quickly in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we praise you. Lord, we thank you that you're doing these things for us. We give you glory. We give you honor that revival is coming to this nation. Revival is blowing through Canada. Revival blowing through Europe, Asia. Revival blowing through. And Father, even Australia is going to see a mighty touch and turnaround by the power of your spirit. We expect it. 
We expect it. We believe it in Jesus' wonderful name. And we thank you for your goodness and your mercy toward us. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.